the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hey, friends. Jeff Hunt filling in for the great Dr. Matt Dunn. I got to tell you, I asked for Jimmy Carter stories, and y'all blew up the phone lines. <laughs> I love it. And the text messages. All right, but before we before we get to these, by the way, um, uh if you don't know, Jimmy Carter has gone on to hospice. I think it's just a matter of time now uh, before he passes on. And, of course, our thoughts and prayers are with him and his family. And uh, If you're a Bible-believing Christian, you know that First Timothy 2, 1 through 4 asks you to pray for those in positions of leadership. And uh, and so we're, we're definitely praying for him. But I w- was looking at his presidency and going through his inauguration to his final speech— and some of the more famous speeches in between. And my goodness, I thought I stumbled upon Joe Biden. Uh, and I'm going to ask Blake here. He's going to play Carter's inauguration. It's just a few minutes long. His speech, inauguration speech. And what I want you to note is the optimism. And then I'm going to show you how that changed and why it changed. So, uh, Blake, cue, uh, cue number one, Carter's inauguration speech. For myself and for our nation... I want to thank my predecessor for all he has done to heal our land. Coming off of the uh, Nixon resignation, it's a nod to Gerald Ford there. In this outward and physical ceremony, we attest once again to the inner and spiritual strength of our nation. As my high school teacher, Miss Judy Coleman, used to say, we must adjust to changing times and still hold to unchanging principles. Democrats holding to unchanging principles. Here before me is a Bible used in the inauguration of our first president in 1789. And I have just taken the oath of office on the Bible my mother gave me just a few years ago, opened to a timeless admonition from the ancient prophet Micah. He has showed thee, O man, what is good, and what doth the Lord require of thee but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God. It's a lot of Christian nationalism there. Within us, the people of the United States, there is evident a serious and purposeful rekindling of confidence. And I join in the hope that when my time as your president has ended, people might say this about our nation that we had remembered the words of Micah and renewed our search for humility, mercy, and justice 
that we had torn down the barriers that separated those of different race and region and religion, and where there had been mistrust, built unity with a respect for diversity, that we had found productive work for those able to perform it, that we had strengthened the American family, which is the basis of our strength society. Strengthen family. Strengthen family. That we had ensured respect for the law. Respect for the law. And equal treatment under the law for the weak and the powerful, for the rich and the poor. And that we had enabled our people to be proud of their own government once again. Here comes the government. I would hope that the nations of the world might say that we had built a lasting peace based not on weapons of war, but on international policies which reflect our own most precious values. The United Nations will lead. These are not just my goals, and they will not be my accomplishments but the affirmation of our nation's continuing moral strength and our belief in an undiminished, ever-expanding American dream. Thank you very much. So there, there you, have, you have Jimmy Carter's inaugural address. So much hope. And so much optimism, right? The government is going to come in. The United Nations is going to lead. By the way, you had a few things in there that I that Democrats have just totally abandoned, right? We're we're going to strengthen the family. They could not care less about the family. They uh, are they have totally abandoned the family. In fact, they they love the idea that the government's going to raise your children. Uh, he reads from the Bible. That doesn't happen too often anymore. In fact, if you do that in public. You will be labeled a Christian nationalist, and um, and you are going to bring down this country. So some changes there, some historical changes. But note the 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 love he has for government, and it reminded me so much. Did you listen to Joe Biden's inaugura- or uh, State of the Union address just two weeks ago? Uh, I called it the Utopian Address. If the government just had more power and more tax dollars, all of our problems would be solved. And you just have this passionate belief that the government is the savior to all of our problems. Now, listen, three years later to this speech by Jimmy Carter called the crisis of confidence. Three years later. Let's do segment two. Blake, go ahead. But over those years, the subjects of the speeches, the talks and the press conferences have become increasingly narrow focused more and more on what the isolated world of Washington thinks is important. Gradually, you've heard more and more about what the government thinks or what the government should be doing, and less and less about our nation's hopes, our dreams, and our vision of the future. Ten days ago, I had planned to speak to you again about a very important subject energy for the fifth time fifth time. i would have described the urgency fifth of the time. problem and laid out a series of legislative recommendations to the congress because that's what it solved that was what was but required as i was preparing to speak <laughs> i began to ask myself 
the same question that I now know has been troubling many of you. Why have we not been able to get together as a nation to resolve our serious energy problem? Why not? It's clear that the true problems of our nation are much deeper, deeper than gasoline lines or energy shortages. Go ahead and pause it, Blake. So (laughs) within three years, you had this. And I'm going to play another clip when we come back here in a minute. But this is what happens. So if you set the government up to be the savior, if you set the government up to be the savior, what happens when it doesn't deliver? And that was Jimmy Carter's crisis of confidence, probably his most famous speech. And you'll hear it a little bit later in a few segments when we come back that he blames the American people. And this is what set up Ronald Reagan for his victories, landslide victories, was the government cannot deliver. And so right now you have Joe Biden out there, State of the Union, two years into his presidency, saying we need more power, more power. They had two years to enact huge amounts of debt in this nation, to take control away from the people and the states. And our problems aren't getting any better. They're not getting any better. And what's going to happen is going to turn and start to blame the American people. And you get the exact same model, the exact same roadmap that Joe Biden is going to follow because he's not going to be able to solve the problems. When we come back after these messages, I want to play with you a few more clips and then i want you to share some stories of what it was like to live under jimmy carter i know we got tina peters coming up and a lot of y'all are texting me waiting on that you're listening to backbone radio jeff hunt filling in for dr matt dunn and i don't just play jimmy carter we're going to be critiquing jimmy carter when we come back thanks one of my very favorite songs god's gonna cut you down by johnny cash not this song But, Blake, way to put on Johnny Cash, man. Blake running the board for us. Jeff Hunt filling in for the great Dr. Matt Dunn. Taking a break this week and maybe filling in a little bit in the future. We'll have to see. Backbone Radio founded by John Andrews back in 2005. I get a chance to carry on John Andrews' legacy at the Centennial Institute and the Western Conservative Summit. And it's great to be with you. I'm only in my personal capacity today, so I'm a little unleashed. I don't have to worry too much. Only personal capacity so I can be a proud Republican and tell you about uh, about the GOP chair race, which we're going to have Tina Peters and Kevin Lumberg on in just a little bit. We were talking a little bit about Jimmy Carter. And, Matt, I am not running Jimmy Carter's speeches just despite you. Uh, I want to I prove something. So we listened to inauguration of Carter, very similar to Joe Biden's State of the Union two years ago or two weeks ago. Now listen to this. Reduce energy use clip. Blake, go ahead and click this clip if you can. Reduce energy use just three years later from the inauguration. Go ahead. I will soon submit legislation to Congress calling for the creation of this nation's first solar bank. Solar bank. Which will help us achieve the crucial goal of 20% of our energy coming from solar power by the year 2000. Hasn't achieved These efforts will cost money. A lot of money. And that is why Congress must enact the windfall profits tax without delay. 
money. It will be money, money well spent. No. Unlike the billions of dollars <laughs> that we ship to foreign countries to pay for foreign oil, these funds will be paid by Americans. Energy to independence. Americans. These funds will go to fight, not to increase inflation and unemployment. I'm proposing a bold conservation program to involve every state, county, and city. Conservation program. And every average American. Get ready, it's coming for in you. In our energy battle. This effort will permit you to build conservation into your homes. You. And your lives. Can build into your homes. At a cost you can afford. I ask Congress to give me authority for mandatory conservation and for standby gasoline rationing. Mandatory conservation. To further conserve energy, I'm proposing tonight an extra $10 billion over the next decade to strengthen our public transportation oh system. Oh, my gosh. Who wants to ride And I'm asking bus? you for your good and for your nation's security. For your good and nation's no security. To take unnecessary trips. Oh, my God. To use carpools or public transportation whenever you can. To park your car <laughs> one extra day per week. To obey the speed limit. That's the And to problem. set your thermostats to save fuel. You need to shiver Every and act drive of slow. energy conservation like this is more than just common sense. I tell you, it is an act of patriotism. Oh, my goodness. Was that what it was like? Is that what you had to listen to? And now I understand he's he's in uh, the very ends of his life and our thoughts and our prayers with him. But my goodness, that's what America was. You're going to solve our energy crisis by shivering and driving slower and riding the bus. This is America. Gas should be as cheap as possible so that you could do as much business as possible and rocket ship this economy to the moon what are we listening all right i'm evan you've been listening waiting the longest tell me can you please tell me what it was like to live under jimmy carter well two things stand out uh fortunately i was a successful salesman on the western slope when we lived through all this junk but the first thing that stands out for me was there really weren't any gas lines in that area but what they used to do was just shut the stations down. I distinctly remember going up to Aspen one day and spending the day, and I knew I had to get gas. And I think I just forgot or I had to see a customer before I, you know, got any gasoline. So I was going to buy it at the end of the day. Now, there used to be a gas station just outside of Aspen, down Valley. And when I rolled in with my little Volkswagen, why, it was closed. And I knew there wasn't enough gas in my tank to get me back to Glenwood Springs where I lived, not up by the Hoi Polloi in Aspen. So I drove as slowly as I could, got into fourth gear as quickly as I could. And for those of you who know the road, there used to be a store there outside of Carbondale called the Catherine Store. And that's where it got me. And I rolled in in neutral, stopped went to a phone because didn't have cell phones in those days, called my beloved wife, and she put uh, our young son in the other Volkswagen, oh, drove up, wet, as a, you know, mad as a wet hen, don't blame her, but, you know, she uh, was madder in blazes, and 
they had actually they had they had tanks open at the Catherine store, and I filled my Volkswagen and drove home. But she had to meet me. She had to meet me because I, you know, I was coasting in neutral, halfway from uh, Basalt on all the way down to the Catherine store. The other half is is a, her story too. She was screaming weekly about what we were paying for food. It wasn't that bad for us because we only had a young child and we were pretty young. But every week she go buy food and scream about it, and she says every week it's going up. Uh, and that's my recollection. I actually in those days was selling to the oil boys, and they were making pretty good money, so there was no problem there. But when you go into a gas station and it's closed, that throws yeah. a pretty good glitch into your life. Great story. And uh, now I'm buying food for me because I'm single. And every I checked eggs today at King Supers. It was like six eighty eight, eight sixty six. Who the blazes knows for a dozen eggs? <laughs> well, and you know? I think Evan, that's the point. We're back in Jimmy Carter world again. Um, and yeah. and yeah. you know that's yeah. uh, that's the country we're going to live in. Thanks, Evan, for your call. Then uh, that is what I'm trying to point out: is we may be seeing this coming very very soon, where it is your patriotic duty to shiver. To dress less because the government won't be able to solve the problems. Tina Peters, you have a Jimmy Carter story. We're going to talk to you in just a little bit on uh, your campaign for state party chair, but I'll give you the mic. Tell us your Jimmy Carter story. Oh, my goodness, yes. I'm old enough to remember Carter. And <laughs> one of the things right after he got into to office was he gave away the Panama Canal. So that was that was a very big problem because wow. that was the short route uh, from one side of this world to the other. Do you know and, why he gave it away? Do you remember? I oh, didn't even know that. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was supposed to be a diplomatic type. Uh, you know, that's the way they they cloaked it. Oh yeah. But it, you know the. The uh, the globalist and everyone else was, you know, all the he was basically a stooge is what we all thought back then. You know, this little, you know, everybody would make fun of him being the little peanut farmer that became president. Um, I don't really think he knew exactly what he was doing. That it was kind of like the Biden situation. Um, you know, most of us during that time felt like there were people that were I mean, they wrote excellent speeches for him, you know. Uh, kind of like what's going on now to make it sound like big government was going to take care of you and, and so good for you, and they knew best for you. But uh, those of us that have been Republicans all of our lives, we knew that this was there was more behind uh, him than him. He wasn't a strong leader at all. Uh, he was and, you, puppet. and you saw that on the foreign policy front as well. But I, I think it's important for under, people to understand Jimmy Carter, 39th president, now in hospice care. Our thoughts and prayers are with his family. But he laid the groundwork for what we're going to see with Joe Biden, where just give him more power. He'll solve it. He won't be able to. And the result yeah. is going to be you need to sacrifice. It is your fault. You're listening to Backbone Radio. We're going to be right back with candidates right after these messages. Man, I am having a blast with Backbone Radio. These listeners are awesome. You guys calling in, texting in. All right. 
y'all got you got a spine, which is exactly what John Andrews wanted. Friends, Jeff Hunt filling in for the great Dr. Matt Dunn, taking a little bit of break, hanging out with his family, doing that dad thing, which is awesome. Uh, John Andrews started Backbone Radio back in 2005, and I get to carry on his legacy at the Centennial Institute and the Western Conservative Summit, but I'm only here in my personal capacity today so I can be as partisan, Republican, conservative as I want, which is where my heart is and why I'm having so much fun. All right, we've been talking to a whole host of candidates for GOP chair. Let's go through the list here. We started with Casper Stockham, Aaron Wood, Representative Dave Williams, and then Eric Odland. Then we talked a little Jimmy Carter. Uh, He is in hospice care, 39th president of the United States. What was his legacy like, and how does that look and mirror Joe Biden's legacy, which I actually think there's a lot of crossover there. Is they're going to believe they can solve all the problems, and then they're going to turn to the people and blame you when it can't happen. But let's go back to the GOP chair race on the line, the backbone line, Senator Kevin Lumberg. Senator, thanks so much for joining us. Well, thank you, Jeff. It's good to be on you on the radio with you here. And, and actually, I've got to get, give you a little follow-up uh, on the canal, uh, the Panama Canal Treaty, because yeah. I listened to most of the U.S. Senate debate on that issue uh, way back then. They broadcast it on radio. And I can tell you that I still don't know why they did it, because it didn't make sense when they argued it then. There's a lot of stuff that happened that we don't quite understand about that administration. All right. Senator, you are up for GOP chair. I'm going to ask you the same questions I asked everybody else. At this point, all we want to do is win. You are asking to be the head coach here. It doesn't matter how nice you are. It doesn't matter your background, your reputation. It is about moving forward and winning. Four Republicans in the state of Colorado give us reason why you are the man to have this job. Well, yes, we must win races, but we're in a tough spot right now, and I'm not going to guarantee that we're going to turn it around in 2024. But I'll tell you what, we're going to have to change gears because we've been doing the wrong thing for far too long. And I believe that the first and foremost uh, issue, I mean, a lot of people talk about, you know, the the block and tackling and, you know, the the basic mechanics of it. Yeah, that's got to be done. But you've got to be heading the right direction in the first place. And the first thing people want to know when it comes to political uh, candidates is what do you stand for? And when it comes to political parties, what do you stand for? I believe we've lost the vision of who the Republican, uh, or let's put it this way, what the Republican Party is all about. Uh, we've got a national platform that some people pay attention to. We've got a lot of candidates and elected officials who run around and say, well, I'm for this and I'm for that. But I believe that the Colorado GOP needs to sit down and settle that issue first and foremost. We need to figure out what are those solid principles that guide our party and cast that vision so that when we put somebody on the field, they're heading the right direction. Do you think that's a real problem? I, I only raise that because oftentimes when, you know, you're at a state convention and they they put up all those policies, they almost seem to pass, you know, sanctity of life, 98 uh, percent, traditional family values, 95 percent. Are you seeing something that maybe I've missed that w- you think we, we're maybe losing our values? I think we're mu- losing sight because we, we've got so many disparate groups and um 
the, the dilemma is, yeah, we, we passed some interesting resolutions. We kind of assumed that to be kind of an informal platform for the party, if you will. But, but in reality, we have not gone through a, a, a process of developing a platform, even as we have at the state level. And I don't want to get too focused on this for too long. But I just want to say that when you, uh, the, the formula for winning is to have the vision of what you're winning it for. And, we, you know, go back and look at the candidates that we ended up with in the general election this last year. Um, they were heading every direction. <laughs> yeah. Well, why, you know, why do we think this didn't work? We had a re- um, and- we had a Republican Senate candidate that was uh, mourning the overturning of Roe v. Wade. My goodness. Yeah, well, I would like to see uh, all of the candidates on the same page. And I think the best way, as chairman, I would initiate um, a team to sort this out and not to just decide for the party, but to lay it out so that we have an official platform. I mean, as I say, we do it at the national level. That's far too complex for what I think we need here because it needs to translate not only the candidates, but the voters. So they understand I'm voting for this team that's heading this direction. And um, for a whole lot of reasons, we have lost that. You know, here's another element that we've, we really missed out here in the party. And, and I can speak from a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, experience in this, having run nine campaigns myself over the last 25 years, that um, the, uh, the state party kind of runs things from the top down. And we really need a bottom up management system where we're supporting we at the state level are actually empowering the grassroots to me that's the real focus it's not what what's uh, happening in one little office that interfaces with you know the national rnc and and the like it's how are the county parties really prospering or not how about the individual candidates i mean i can count on one hand actually i think i can count on one finger the number of times the state party really came in and helped me as a candidate in the general election. I get it in the primaries, you don't. But um, there are a lot of things that need to be reinvented for the state uh, GOP because, you know, let's talk about funding. Well, where should the funds come? From the grassroots, from the individual Republicans that are in the state. And, and what about the number of Republicans? Well, I've talked to many, many people who said, I left the party because I just don't see anything happening there. I, I can't buy into this, um, you know, uh, word salad that they give me rather than good, solid principles that we can govern by. Now, I know we've got good people doing some things, you know, a lot of legislators out there and and people in school boards, so that's nonpartisan, but we still have Republicans there, uh, and, and county government that are doing the right things. But overall, I don't see the leadership at the state level really uh, accomplishing that, and I haven't for a very long time. You have probably won more elections than any other candidate that's in this race. Is that right? I mean, uh, Casper, Aaron, well, Dave, yeah. Eric, Kevin, I, Tina, I, I think you have won more than anybody else. Is that right? I served in the legislature for 16 years, uh, uh, essentially turned out in both the House and the Senate. And, uh, you know, you've got to win the races to get in there. I've run a few races where I've lost, too. So I've seen both sides of the the coin there. Um, And I've been in this fight on the front lines for the last 25 years. 
And, you know, going back to the Panama Canal Treaty, I've been following it as an active Republican from the very first day I was authorized to vote by the Constitution. I went and, and signed up and went to my first caucus meeting. And then I took my first assignment as a PCP uh, precinct committeeman um, back in the 80s, in 84, uh, you know, right in the middle of uh, Reagan's uh, term of office, which was an incredible time. I was in Denver, which is a tough place to be a Republican, but I've been fighting the fight. And I tell you, in the legislature, you've got to fight. You've got to understand what the issues are and take them on front and center. KendonLumberg.com, is that the website? That's the website for my uh, um, effort here to, to run for the state GOP. But it's also been the website that I've had my legislative issues on and I'm totally transparent. It goes back to 2008 if you dig into the archives. You want to know about me, what I am, what I stand for, what I've been doing, go there. And I actually update it every week with a uh, newsletter, too. So, But you want to find out about my race for the state GOP chair, go to kevinlundberg.com. And we'll give you all the information you need. <laughs> real, clo- real quick, open or close primaries? Closed primaries. I'm one of the guys who uh, helped set up the uh, lawsuit that uh, we tried to run last year because the state party wouldn't join us. I guarantee you that is top top on my uh, list, as well as defending the caucuses and building them in. You know, the caucuses ought to be that once every two years where all the uh, uh, liberty-loving Colorado citizens show up for a celebration of our liberties. And so, yep. Kevin, you have been uh, you've been a, a, a regular. You've fought hard at the state legislature for years. Uh, you're definitely not new onto the scene, and and I think people can trust that you're a, a passionately committed uh, conservative. So, KevinLumberg.com. When we come back, Tina Peters is going to be on, and we're going to hear from her plan to win in the state of Colorado. You're listening to Backbone Radio. Jeff Hunt filling in for Dr. Matt Dunn. We'll be right back. Friends, Jeff Hunt filling in for the great Dr. Matt Dunn on Backbone Radio, founded by John Andrews back in 2005. And I get a chance to carry on his legacy as well as the Centennial Institute. So if you're wondering where I came from, I get a chance to host the Western Conservative Summit each year. But I am here only in my personal capacity. I want to welcome all the new listeners from the FBI and other leftist indoctrinated law agencies these days. My goodness, what has happened to our country? Running for state party chair, Tina Peters, on the line here. We've heard from all the other candidates, and we're finishing out the show with the firecracker. All right, Tina, tell us, why should you be the state party chair here in Colorado? (laughs) I love it. I love it. Well, you know, there's some people that run into the fire, and, uh, you know, no one has given more for my country uh, on this call, I feel like, tonight but me. My son, as you know, was a Navy SEAL. He did not want to be. As a matter of fact, I remember him every time he was an E6. I remember every time he'd come around for him to take the exam to make him an officer, he'd laugh, and he said, I really did a good job of failing it today because he wanted to be in the fight. And 
when I stepped up to run for office, it, it started, uh, I, I wasn't like a long-term politician like a lot of people. It was 2016, and I went to a GOP uh, a, a, um, volunteer meeting, and I looked around, and this is 2016, remember that, that election? And I looked around, I said, oh my gosh, I thought people that were good at this politicking stuff were doing this while I was, while I was running a business for 32 years. And so I got involved, started walking door to door, fell in love with the people, decided that I wanted to be of service. And when I told my Navy SEAL son, I said, honey, I think I want to run for office. He says, mom, you got this. He said, the only thing is you, you'll probably do more than what's required. Having mm. no idea that, that opening two offices, reducing wait times from three and a half hours to almost nothing and creating a culture of customer service in a government office, uh, you know, never, never realizing when I said to God in 2016, when I, when I was diagnosed with lung cancer and I said, Hey, I said, God, you know, my prayer, don't let me leave this earth until I've accomplished everything you sent me here to do. And so at that split second, I knew I was going to live and not die. So this is, this is our last, last ditch effort, Jeff. I really appreciate what you've done with the Western Conservative Summit and, and for hosting this tonight. But I really do believe the reason I jumped into this race was because we spent since the end of December, January, February, trying to find somebody that would run for GOP chair and interviewing people. I was on the, on the Safe Colorado project. I spoke out and finally I said, God, I got to jump into this. And so that's, that's, uh, that's, why I'm in the race to win it for Colorado. So I've said this before, the the real point of being a GOP chair is that you're kind of the, the head coach on a football team, and you're going to be measured purely by your ability to win races. So Colorado yes. is losing. We're losing everything. We don't have a statewide Republican anywhere, and we have near supermajorities in the House and Senate. I think in the House they do have a supermajority. So they have total control. How do we win? What is your plan to win? Well, that's all I ever do. I don't go into something. This I have a, a magnet on my refrigerator. It's do or do not. There is no try. And so um, – you know, we have got to put trust back into the party. As you know, most people that donate in the last few years, they donate directly to the candidate because they've lost the trust in the party. Also, I've never seen it like before where so many Republicans have gone over to the independent status. And, you know, and that just brings up too. we have got to close these primaries that, that we cannot have Democrats posing as independents uh, to uh, come in and subvert our elections. We've got to protect the caucus. We have to ensure election integrity. I mean, anybody would have to be blind, deaf and dumb to not real to realize or not realize that there is there are things going on in our elections. And we have to support America First policies, you know, and, and we need a GOP chair that's going to stand up and call it out, you know, and call out these people. I mean, I was down at the Capitol when they w- couldn't even pass a wireless, get the wireless out of the election, uh, election equipment. And, and there was a woman on there from Brazil who was crying. She was a dual citizen, and she was sitting there while she's given her testimony. 
in front of the panel, eight Democrats and three Republicans. She's crying, saying, this is coming to America. This is in America now. Look what they're doing to my family over in Brazil. And, and I've also talked to people. I've been in, in conferences uh, recently with people from Venezuela. Venezuela used to be a beautiful, prosperous country. And this is coming to, to, uh, this is coming to our country. And Colorado, I firmly believe, Jeff, I firmly believe that the GOP chairmanship the GOP party is the last bulwark for to save Colorado. And, um, you know, that's that's why I'm in it. We've only got a few minutes left here. We're up near the end of the show. What do you say to voters that supported Pam Anderson and Mike O'Donnell? Uh, what do you tell them uh, and say, I'm the one to lead uh, when they didn't support you in the primary? Well, they didn't do their homework. And I hate to call them out, but they did not do their homework. Pam Anderson didn't fight to defeat Jenna Griswold after she so-called won the primary. The GOP would not release the poll that showed me up 47% in a three-way race, and nobody would come out and do a little research and find out that she is their secretary and one of the five directors of the Center for Tech and Civic Life that Mark Zuckerberg funneled $470 million through 94% went to counties that Biden won. So, you know, and, and here's the thing to it. And, my, and Mike O'Donnell, he's on the loan board with, uh, with A.G. Weiser, the Democrat. So, you know, people really need to do their homework. Um, but let me just play something for you. It's like 30, 30 seconds. And, you know, when you, are, when, when you are a firebrand, when you run into the fire, those that don't like you are going to attack you. And we know that our good friend down in Arizona – uh, who who did win the election. Uh, we know what's happened to her. Now they're trying to get her on an indictment. But let me just let me just play something for you real quick. Hang on, 30 seconds. Hi, this is Carrie Lake. Tina Peters is a tenacious patriot and an advocate for the people of Colorado who put Colorado first and has continued to gain their trust in spite of the onslaught of legal attacks from Biden's corrupt DOJ and the Colorado political elite. The people know the truth, and they are sick and tired of the continued derailment of their collective Republican voice. Put your support behind Tina Peters for the Colorado GOP chair. Tina Peters is not a politician and is the one who will actually get the job done. I, Carrie Lake, put my full support behind it. All right. You got the you got the Carrie Lake endorsement. Um, oh, Tina. my gosh. I've got Sheriff Mackey to <laughs> be on my show tomorrow night on Badlands Media calling out that uh, city councilman that they just found all these ballots. I don't know if you've heard that on the news, but it's, you know, yeah. Well, uh, we stand for truth and justice. Website Tina Peters for Colorado dot com. Tina That's Peters right. for Colorado.com. Go ahead. That's right. Telegram, Real Tina Peters, Twitter, and Truth Social, Real Tina, Tina Peters. If people have not watched SelectionCode.com, it's an hour-long uh, movie, Selection Code with an S, SelectionCode.com. Watch that movie. And I'll be on Badlands Media tomorrow with Sher- Sheriff Matt. 
Thank you, so Tina. God bless you guys. Thank, thank you, you so God much. Bless. And thank you to all the candidates that, that were part of Backbone Radio today. My name's Jeff Hunt. Got a chance to fill in for Dr. Matt Dunn. We'll be back next week. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff Hunt. God bless you and yeehaw. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.